I dreamed of traveling the long road, singing my songs to that distant stranger. Yes, I know it's sad for you, but it's something I got to do. And I will be coming home, back to the mountains, back to being free from all there is to be. Coming home to live and the life I once knew. Hello, everyone. And welcome to Bedtime Bible Boys with Brock, Trey, and Theron TJ. Thanks Thanks for for listening. We love you, Mom. And you too, Gail. Continuing in our journey through Daniel chapter 3 tonight. Last night we read verses 6 through 16. We talked about this idea that when we run into these situations in life where we have an opportunity to follow the Lord, we have an opportunity to bow to different types of idols or sin. We talked about the different reasons that sometimes we, we make different excuses to why we're weak in the flesh, other than just saying, you know what, we're just weak in the flesh. We made a bad decision. Obviously, we need the grace of Jesus Christ. And then, remembering that no matter what, we have a testimony for Christ. We are saved by his redeeming blood, and that that salvation is not dependent on the things we will do. It's dependent on him. Right? Even in the book of James, you know, the book of James, fun Bible fact for the night, the book of James is the bossiest book in the Bible. That's the bossiest. It's basically, if you look at the most, the highest concentration of commands, so with kind of thou shalts or thou shalt not type things, the highest concentration of commands per word, it's highest in James than any other Bible. So basically James challenged this is new testament he probably had seen how christ had lived how jesus had lived that was probably very impactful to him to see somebody to that degree and so when jesus said follow me do as i have taught you it's easy to it was probably easy to think well i'll just that's we need to be like jesus hey as much as you can possibly be like jesus absolutely right absolutely but we need to understand, too, that we have a, a major limitation, that we're not Jesus. And most likely, no matter how good we ever get, how much love we ever show, how much we ever serve, how much we're able to control our flesh, I don't know, fill in the blank of however you think of maturity, there will probably always be a pretty decent-sized gap between us and Christ. That's so noticeable that if Christ entered a room and we walked in the room at the same time, probably the people would know which one was Christ. It would be abundantly obvious. Becoming more like him for me is probably just like being like a little sliver of him. Whenever I have the chance to participate in something he's doing and he's given me a word to participate in that and I get a chance to do something that I as the body of Christ, I get to experience just a little bit of like tangent with his life. I'm going to love that and I'm thankful for it. But I'm certainly never going to boast to the extent that I feel like, gosh, I'm really becoming more like Christ. 
you know, everybody has different opinions about that. I'm just saying that's that's my opinion about it. But our point was was that last night we were reading is like we never want to make that the standard because we always want to remember that we always have a testimony because we're always going to fall short of the glory of God and that we will always be in need of his grace. And so rather we sin, rather we bow down, or rather we don't, we always are qualified to have a testimony for God. And as a matter of fact, our history of having fallen down strengthens our testimony. Remember we talked about this? So I just wanted to highlight on that before I move forward. And here we go. Verse 16. If you remember, the last thing King Nebuchadnezzar said was, if you, okay, I'm going to give you a second chance. If you fall down and worship the image, then you will be spared. And if you don't, then what God will be able to rescue you? Listen how cool this response is. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to save us from it, and he will rescue us from your hand, O king. But even if he does not, we want you to know, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. I don't even know if I can preach into that. What do you guys think? What are your thoughts there? I might have said that as well. Yeah, I think this is just so cool that you have to think of the authority that that is. Now, this would be the equivalent of me telling you boys to do something in a sense. I mean, I'm your father, so it's a little different, but me telling you to do something that you knew was wrong in the eyes of God, but I'm telling you to do it anyways. And you're telling me, I'm saying, hey, you do this or you're going to be grounded. And you're like, I don't need to defend myself to you. You're asking me to violate God's statutes, and I'm not going to do that. And I... I don't owe you an explanation, so do what you're going to do. The Lord's able to deliver me from anything. I just think it's so cool. And, and then they follow it up with something that's so important. And everybody knows this verse, right? Even if he does not, we want you to know, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. And I think this is important because that we totally believe in the gifts of the Spirit, right? We go after the gifts of the Spirit. We're able, I totally believe that God is able to do more than we can imagine or pray for, and that we can trust in him. I do believe he is a God of prosperity. I do believe he's a God of health. I do believe he's a God. His word, listen, look at the things that Jesus did, right? I mean, you're telling me he doesn't want you to be healed? He doesn't want you to be healthy? But yet, Jesus healed everybody that he went by. There were some people that didn't even want healing. The man at the pool of Bethesda, he was lame. He actually didn't want healing. You know why? It hurt his income. He was doing better just by being sick and begging. There's a lot of people like that. They don't really want to be better. They don't want to get better. They just want to live kind of in the misery because if they're lame, people will just continue to give them money, whether it's the government or people walking by or whatever. And some people just choose that lifestyle. But even those people, like Christ was like, no, I'm going to get healed. 
is so full of healing. How can you tell me he doesn't want to heal people? But that's not the reason we go after our relationship with him. That's not the purpose. And so it's like, you know, there's some people believe in healing. Some people don't. Some people are, will ask questions. Why does God heal in this case? And why doesn't he heal in another case? You know, you guys are going to see some sad stuff, right? In your lifetime, you're going to hear of children dying. You're like, why did that happen? You know? Well, let me tell you something. If your faith in him as your salvation and in his existence is based on whether or not he showed up to perform some miracle that you think he needed to perform, if that's the basis for your faith, you're it's going to run out. You're going to be disappointed. Because that is not how faith works. Look at what they said. First off, O king, we're going to follow our God. Right? Notice they didn't start it with, if God delivers us, then we're then then we won't bow. If he does something here real soon, then we won't bow. That's either way we're not bowing. Right? Our God is able to deliver us from anything you can do to us. But even if he didn't, we're still not going to, because our that's not the basis for our relationship with him. We're entering into a relationship with him, and it's not based on what he's going to do for us. That's just like an added benefit. And I think in the same way, we, we're not really in our relationship with the Lord for like what he's going to do for us. We're certainly recipients of the relationship because of what he's already done for us. Right? That part we can't escape from. That's like the only reason we can have a relationship with him is what he's already done for us. But as far as what he'll do for us going forward, that's not, that's kind of like would be, that kind of would be an evil way to set up our friendship with him. In our relationship with him is like, well, I'm just going to come to you whenever I need something. I'm just going to come to you whenever I want something. You see how that's kind of like not a really a good relationship? But even if he does want, you know, in the other way I've seen this verse used is people will say, well, you know, you can't have too much faith in God delivering miracles because even look at Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they even gave God an out. You know what? I don't think they were giving God an out because people will say this to say, yeah, the Lord did deliver him, but they said even if he didn't. But guess what? He did. I mean, is that really your point? People are people try and use this as a verse to say, God, you really have to search out his will. It's like, you know what? There's some things we know about God's will, and we can have faith, and we can pray with power and faith into those areas when we know it's consistent with his character or when he's given us a word. We know these things. You know, some say, well, he doesn't, you don't know that it's his will for you to be healed. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? I, I, I don't know this. Listen, I know that us being healthy is the will of our Father. Now, we may choose not to live in health. Is this true? We may choose not to live in health. That's our problem. But I know that it's his will for his children to be healthy. I'm not confused about that. I'm convinced that if we followed everything he said to do, not because if we do it, he's going to be mad at us, but if we followed everything he said to do, I'm 100% convinced that we would be very, very healthy. Maybe live just as long as they did in early times in the Bible. I don't know that we want to be here that long, but you get my point, right? They weren't trying to give God an out when they said, even if he does not. When they said, even if he does not, it wasn't trying to give God an out. It was telling the king that that's not the basis of their faith. 
So you don't, you can't use this verse as a way of saying God's not going to show up for your miracle, or you, you, you know, you can't pray uh, with the type of faith that Jesus talked about when Jesus said, "If you believe, if you tell this mountain to throw itself into the sea and believe, it will." If you have faith as small as mustard seed, you can't do that because look what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they even knew that the Lord might not. Don't use this story as a way of saying the Lord might not because the Lord did. You're using a a story where the Lord did to say the Lord might not. It's just kind of an oxymoron. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. No? All right. I don't even get the point of using it. Yeah, I mean, I get it. It, You're right. I think it's it's a demonstration of the strong faith of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that they're basically telling us, this isn't the basis of our faith. The basis of our faith is we have a relationship with our Father, we love Him, we know right from wrong, and we're going to follow Him. And nothing you can do to us, nothing, is more powerful than what He's able to deliver us from, and nothing you can do to us would make us turn from Him. Period. In verse 19, Then Nebuchadnezzar was furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and his attitude toward them changed. He ordered the furnace heated seven times hotter than usual, and commanded some of the strongest soldiers in his army to tie up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and throw them into the blazing furnace. So these men, wearing their robes, trousers, turbans, and other clothes, were bound and thrown into the blazing furnace. The king's command was so urgent and the furnace so hot that what? The guards burnt. That's right. The flames were so hot that the guards who threw them in burnt to death. The flames of the fire killed the soldiers who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, firmly tied, fell into the blazing furnace. Then King Nebuchadnezzar leaped to his feet in amazement and asked his advisors, Weren't there three men that we tied up and threw into the fire? They replied, Certainly, O king. What does King Nebuchadnezzar see? Four people. That's right. And who's the fourth, Trey? Jesus. That's right. He said, Look, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed. And the fourth looks like a son of the gods. You know what's cool about this? Even a pagan world that doesn't believe in Jesus Christ recognizes him when they see him. There will come a day, just like the song says, some will rejoice and others will fuss. But every knee will bow and tongue confess that Jesus is Lord. Even the people who reject him will have to bend their knee and bow down and confess that Jesus is Lord. They won't like it, but they will have to. Our enemy and those set against our God will have to bow their knee and the Lord says that they will have to watch as we feast at the Lord's table. Our enemies will watch us as we feast at the table with our Father. 
King Nebuchadnezzar shows us that. He recognized that it was a son of God, even though he didn't know anything about Jesus. And it's cool, too, that Jesus was around. The Son of God was in heaven with the Father from the beginning. In the book of Daniel, Jesus existed. Right? He was God the Son. And he came and he interceded in the middle of this this moment in history to show himself. And how did he show himself? Oh, you know, a life in Christ. There's no power there. There's no miracles anymore. Those 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 gifts aren't aren't available to anybody. Listen, Jesus Christ shows himself right here, and what's he doing? He's saving his children. It's always on your father's heart to save. We'll finish up the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego tomorrow. This probably ties the record for the quietest I've ever seen you two during a recording, and that's okay. I love you, boys. I love you, too.